You're listening to Life and Health Matters with Dr. Shakib, and this is your host, Mamak Shakib. I've decided to dedicate this whole episode to the subject of incontinence. I, as a practicing chiropractor with the focus of the practice being on postural neurology and functional movement, developmental kinesiology specifically, basically I handle musculoskeletal conditions with chronic conditions primarily um, in active and not so active individuals. Um, And one of the questions that uh, I ask patients, depending on their cases, is if there is any incontinence present. There is a huge misconception about incontinence, and that's why I'm doing this podcast on it. I'll be talking about the two main uh, types of incontinence, and then the most common type of incontinence, which is urinary incontinence, and explore the different types and some of the misconception we have about it. So there is a um, stereotype of an individual who has incontinence uh, or who um, suffers from incontinence, and I have all the best reasons and I will share them with you why uh, we should not necessarily look at the traditional groups of people that end up with incontinence as the only cases, because that is no longer the case. I've done a whole podcast uh, episode on uh, uh, the whole subject of uh, pelvic floor dysfunction and uh, prolapse, incontinence, and interview Dr. Sam Siddiqui, who is a pelvic reconstructive surgeon um, from Loma Linda on the whole subject of surgery. So I invite you to listen to that if that's applicable to you or the person that you know of uh, that has incontinence. Uh, just to remind you that not every case is a surgical case. In fact, that is hardly the case if it is done if the approach and treatment is done correctly. So uh, with that said, this episode is dedicated to the ones uh, who suffer from incontinence and to those of us who don't have it, I invite you to still listen because you are at risk. So with no further ado, here is the podcast on incontinence. Okay, so let's talk about incontinence. There are two main types of incontinence. One is fecal, where the person cannot hold their poop or um, there's an issue with that, and urinary incontinence, which is the more common type of uh, incontinence. So while fecal incontinence is essentially um, seen in uh, men and women, Urinary incontinence is mostly seen in women, but not necessarily. In fact, from my experience and my coming across to, uh, with, uh, to patients with incontinence that happen to be visiting my practice uh, for other reasons, um, I can tell you that there is 100% uh, in my experience rise in the number of men with incontinence. The only issue is most of the times Uh, People don't, men especially, don't talk about it or they don't consider it to be um, a subject of 
discussion. <laughs> so um, let's go ahead and um, focus the attention to urinary incontinence. There are four, or maybe we should say five major uh, types of urinary incontinence. They are stress incontinence, urge incontinence, overflow incontinence, functional incontinence, and then the fifth one is the mixed incontinence, meaning one or more scenarios. You're entitled, at the end of the day, you're entitled to have more than one type of problem, and that's for sure. So uh, let's talk about stress incontinence, which is probably the most common kind, is um, when you laugh, cough, sneeze, and there is leakage. So there is a pressure on the bladder that is, as a result of laughing, exercising, sneezing, coughing, um, or even lifting some heavy objects, and then pee comes out. Typically, incontinence is uh, thought that, that it's uh, in women uh, with childbirth, uh, um, with pelvic trauma, with uh, basically pregnancy, overweight people, uh, or obese individuals where there's too much pressure on the pelvic floor or the bladder itself or the other parts of the urinary system. So we're talking about urethra, for example, which we'll be talking more about it. Stress incontinence, <laughs> you know, uh, if you look up incontinence, you'll see there are pads, there are these devices that um, are meant to be inserted uh, vaginally um, for women, obviously, uh, where they practice squeezing the muscles and trying to strengthen them. The issue I have with that is, uh, let's be real, how often is that going to get done? And if that's the, your situation, um, how productive is that going to be? How strong is that going to be? So uh, most people don't do enough Kegel. The alternative to that is a machine called Amcella that I do like. And the reason I like it is because it does 11,200 Kegels per 28 minutes. That's a lot of Kegels. So in my practice, I use that machine not because the individual has incontinence, but because uh, I, I have a reason to believe their pelvic floor muscles and the pel there's a pelvic floor dysfunction causing issues. And that's the reason why um, the Amcella chair is used to strengthen the pelvic floor muscles for to address the pelvic floor dysfunction. So just to explain what pelvic floor is. Just imagine your pelvis, uh, the inner lining, the bottom of your pelvis on the outside is your external genitalia and your, the anus. And on the, the inside, there are a whole bunch of muscles that, um, by the way, on the outside, there are, these muscles exist it's just under the skin that cause the sphincter to uh, constrict or let go the muscles of the pelvic inlet, the inner lining of the pelvis, imagine a bowl. The inner lining of this bowl are these muscles that are 
um, exercise and are used and necessary for walking. So imagine all of these muscles together along with the connective tissue and the structures of the pelvis, which is three bones, the ilium on two sides and sacrum in the middle. It keeps them all nice and intact. The way I look at it and the way I describe it is like, imagine you have a box that the sides of the box is kind of fallen apart and you get a nice packing tape and you just wrap this tape all around it. That keeps the box nice and firm. So when you have a strong pelvic floor muscles and strong pelvic floor, in other words, no dysfunction, this whole pelvis is kept together nicely and it's movable, it's functional. The integrity of it depends on the lower back, lower part of your mid back, your sacroiliac joint, which are the joints in the back of your pelvis, and your hip joints. They're directly impacting the pelvic floor. So when we talk about pelvic floor and incontinence, the worst thing you can think about and you can do is to think your work stops at just the floor. This is not a free-floating <laughs> um, surface. It's like a hammock. It's connected to things. It's influenced and it's... Uh, um, basically, I guess the word is still influenced and impacted by those areas that I mentioned. When we talk about incontinence and we only talk about Kegel, that is only part of the solution. And Kegel exercises are not for every type of incontinence. The relaxing incontinence where the floor is not doesn't have the right integrity. Sure, that makes sense to do Kegel and do all the other things that I will be going over. Then there is a non-relaxing incontinence where the muscles are weak as a result of the muscles of the pelvic floor are weak as a result of trigger point and as a result of constriction. So that's when um, a physical therapist or a typically they're physical therapists that are specialized in pelvic floor manipulation and manual work of the pelvic floor or the trigger point therapy of those muscles go in and manually deal with that. So that's more for non-relaxing incontinence for the relaxing incontinence, which believe it or not, stress incontinence is one of them where the integrity of the pelvic floor is compromised. Kegel exercises make sense. So if it's Kegel, to me, it makes more sense to deal with a machine that does help you have 11,200 Kegels per 28 minutes, but not keep it at just the floor, thinking that's all that needs to be done. All the other areas lower back, sacroiliac joint, hips, lower abdominals, lower portion of your mid-back. All of those have to be strong, have to know how to work 
and how to properly influence, how to work with the pelvis itself. That is not being done enough or at all. And that's an issue. The next kind of uh, uh, urinary incontinence is urge incontinence. Urge incontinence is essentially when you are, you have the urge to um, basically go to the bathroom. That's typically, typically as a result of um, diseases and conditions uh, like um, Parkinson's, like, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, MS. Jeez, I couldn't remember that. Um, and um, urge incontinence is, um, it has different names also. It has overactive bladder, uh, it has bladder spasm, uh, irritable bladder. The causes of them are things like bladder infection, bladder inflammation, bladder stones, obstruction of an opening of the bladder in men and large prostate, which obviously that doesn't mean they don't have the other ones, or bladder cancer, like I said, uh, diseases like multiple sclerosis, or trauma to the spinal cord or stroke. So that's um, urge incontinence is more of a, um, it's more of a um, nerve issue as well. So it's a little bit deeper. Now, I mentioned that there are things, so obviously if there is infection, you want to deal with infection and then it goes away. So uh, with urge incontinence, it's not if it is long lasting and they're in, in the absence of infection or a snow, stone, now we're talking about something else that is constantly present. So that could be the nerve issue. So that needs to be looked at or, or and enlarge prostate uh, or obstruction of the opening. So those are the things that we want to go deeper. We are not going to assume the floor or the um, areas that impact the floor are um, necessarily involved. Now, bear in mind that, for example, with most multiple sclerosis example, trauma to the spinal cord, or the stroke uh, case where there is an urge incontinence, all the other areas, the whole movement of the body is compromised. And as a result of that, there is, a, um, there is an issue with um, holding the urine. So there is that urgency. You have to go to the bathroom. You can't hold it. That's what urge incontinence the word urge is all about. Then there is the overflow incontinence. With overflow incontinence, the causes essentially blockage of the urethra. Urethra is that tube that basically goes from the bladder to the outside. And so the blockage can be things like stone, it could be tumors, it can be scar tissue like endometriosis, as an example, swelling from infection, uh, some um, genetic issues with or kinks uh, from basically bladder uh, 
from the bladder dropping in the abdomen, weak bladder muscles, well, that's uh, overflow incontinence, uh, which basically it's unable to squeeze the uh, bladder fully, the muscles are not able to squeeze it fully, injury to the nerves, nerve damage from diabetes, alcoholism, Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis, back problems. Back problems is overflow incontinence. That's one of the reasons why I ask if there is any incontinence. And of course, there are medications that ha have side effects. For example, anticonvulsants and antidepressants some of them can affect the nerve signals to the bladder and therefore cause issues. So we want to rule out any other uh, organ-related or um, anatomy-related issues that are leading to incontinence. Once again, in case of overflow incontinence, there is a weakness of there. There's a high chances of the weakness of the floor itself, which uh, Kegel exercises. In my opinion, once again, I like Amcello chair for that reason. It's just gets down to the business fast and takes care of that issue. I mean, <laughs> eleven thousand two hundred Kegels in twenty eight minutes. No one can beat that. So. Um, that makes more sense to deal with that. Then we have functional incontinence. Functional incontinence actually has to do with the function of the body. So that, let's say the person has arthritis, really bad arthritis, or has some kind of a disability that prevents them from getting to the bathroom in time. So that's functional. It's, <coughs> excuse me, it, uh, the fact that they're not able to hold or hold their urine has to do with the fact that something else is interfering uh, from them getting to the bathroom in a timely manner. So once again, in those cases, um, the primary cause has to be addressed. And as a result of that, um, the issue of incontinence should be handled. With every kind of incontinence that I've mentioned, with the exception of non-relaxing incontinence, addressing the floor muscles with Kegel is necessary, but only partial treatment. Even with non-relaxing uh, type of incontinence, where the special kind of physical therapist goes in and manually works on the muscles of the pelvic floor. The surrounding areas that I mentioned, the lower back, the lower portion of mid-back, the hips, lower ab, and the sacroiliac joints, those areas have to be addressed. You have to understand when someone suffers from incontinence and there is a malfunction, this goes on long enough. It interferes with all the areas that impact and influence the floor. The timing of those muscles working with each other, the sequence of those muscles coming in to perform a movement, all of those are compromised. So as you go in and you 
do some real spring cleaning, so to speak, you have to address those other areas or the feeders of your problems are still there. You know, one of the things I always use with my patients is I say, you know, you see a tree, you don't want it, you cut the trunk off. If And then you see the next year, there is a new shoot coming out. That's because the feeder of the root was still there. The roots were there. So if you take care of, let's say, just the floor of the pelvis without addressing the other areas that impact and influence it, it will come back. (coughs) So you have to go much deeper than just putting it off to later with non-relaxing incontinence when the physical therapist goes in and works on it those other areas have to be addressed another thing that is 100% not being emphasized on enough is the impact of breathing proper breathing engaging the abdominal and pelvic diaphragm which is how all babies breathe is highly important that is what keeps you keeps your midline the center of your gravity the place it needs to be it sets you off on the right track for all the body movements to be in a much better place have much better chance of starting to be rehabilitated. When I say breathing, baby breathing, that's because we have power breathing. There's so many different kinds of breathing that we all hear. The one that I propose to everyone, which makes sense, is the kind that babies automatically do. That without being taught, no matter what baby on this planet you think about, or you talk about, all babies breathe the same way. All babies go through the same developmental stages of movement. That's because we're wired that way. No one's coaching them. They automatically do. So if we have a problem with any ingredients that have to do with breathing or movement, it only makes sense to go and see how it's done automatically in all babies. So by knowing where you're at and how you compare to how we are programmed to move and to breathe, we can really troubleshoot the issues that are causing the problem. Incontinence is on the rise because, not because there are more women that are giving birth, there are more women that are obese, more men that are obese more smokers. It's not just because of that. Those are the traditional stereotypes. Our pelvic floor is dysfunctional more than ever before because of our lifestyle. We are too sedentary. We have too many hours of sitting, too many hours of slouching. And no, it doesn't matter if you, at the end of the day, go work out because most of the day you were sitting, creating that dysfunction. A dysfunctional body being worked out is like beating a dead horse. You don't load a joint that is already not centrated. 
it does more damage. So am I proposing that you don't work out? No, I'm proposing you doing the right kind of workout. The right kind of workout are working out like babies, doing proper exercises that strengthen your body parts. We're talking about no abdominal crunches and yet doing what a three-month-old up to six-month-old baby does to develop the lower ab muscles. To better understand these, um, I will put a link to uh, my website where this concept of dynamic neuromuscular stabilization is uh, discussed. And I encourage you to look into that. I don't want to make this podcast episode about DNS or dynamic neuromuscular stabilization or postural neurology, but I can't not mention it because that's 100% necessary for proper movement. Incontinence is not all about not being able to hold your urine because you have a weak pelvic floor muscles. It's a pelvic floor dysfunction, which is more than the muscles of the pelvic floor. I say this so many times throughout the day, every single day. I've written blogs about it, and it just makes sense to do a podcast on the very subject. I hope that you get some value out of this. I really wish for you to understand the misconception and understand that the current treatment is not sufficient. It, we are having issues because of lifestyle. So we need to improve our lifestyle and look into the solution thoroughly instead of what is just automatically being done. We are not all square pegs that need to fit into a square hole. Keep that in mind. Uh, I hope that you enjoy this. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please forward them to me to drspodcastio at gmail.com. And until next time, take care.